You're listening to the IVP Heat Seekers Podcast, part of the RotoHeat.com family of podcasts. Welcome back, everybody, to the IDP Heat Seekers Not So Live Stream and Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Menendez, and you'll uh, see if you're watching us on YouTube that we're down a man this week. Uh, our main man, Paul Veldboom, is uh, getting a uh, much-needed night off to get into some shenanigans on his own. Uh, so back with me after a week hiatus is my other main man, Craig Reed. Craig, how's it going, brother? It's a Friday in 2020. We're ready for the weekend and just to forget the past week. So it's nice to be here. How was your day? Forget the past hour. What do you mean we just, no. just forget what just happened? Yeah, no, I can't. I mean, it was it was a long week. It, it definitely feels like working remote is, is not a bad thing. I definitely have been enjoying what it's given me the opportunity to do. But on the same token, it's, it's like... Everything work-related is a, is a crisis because people aren't being able to talk to each other very easily. They have to video, and it's, you know, it, like much of 2020, everything's miscommunication, and people are having a hard time getting on the same page. So, yep. it's a microcosm of the world we're in. But luckily enough, we have our oasis here in the middle of all the chaos, our fantasy football. Uh, we're, you know, week three is going to be upon us, I mean, at least what we're talking about. Uh, we record the week ahead of time, so week two is actually on us currently. But uh, we have some news. We have things that are going on uh, in the world and, and outside of uh, you know everybody going going down with injuries. We have some IDP guys that went down with injuries. Uh, Richard Sherman is on IR, and you said somebody else. And now off the top of my head, I forget who else is on IR. Vander Esch, and I think Sean Lee officially got put on there too. So, um, going through the list today, I don't, so hard to remember, like you said, even an hour ago and, you know, much less six hours ago going through the new IR list. There's a bunch of new people, but I don't think there's a bunch of new big defensive, you know, relevant names. I think those are the big number of guys out already that, you know, we'll get to, but for what, for week two, they were out. That is. Oh, so. it's it's insane with how many injuries and how many guys have gone down. It's like, oh my goodness. Like it's. I mean, the nice thing with like specifically with LVE at least is the fact that his is not specifically a neck injury. I believe it's the collarbone. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it's still up there, but at least it wasn't his neck that got hurt. You know. So, hopefully, he'll come back and we'll try it again next time and see if see if we can get LVE to play more than a few series. Um, but you know, I mean, in his in in his absence, that just means Jalen Smith will get a little more action, uh, and and probably get some extra tackles. Um, with Richard Sherman down, that'll be interesting to see how San Fran handles it from an IDP perspective. It'll be interesting to see which corner, you know, Witherspoon or whomever winds up having to take that role of taking on the number one guy. I think Witherspoon's out Is too. Witherspoon hurt too. If I recall looking at the out oh, now he's expected to start. He cleared the concussion protocol today. I thought I heard that he would So him, him and Mosley, and Mosley had a really big week. Oh one. yes, Emmanuel Mosley. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And he could be a guy that, that you could stream again because he'll probably he'll probably get a ton of action. Yeah, I mean if he's playing, if he's starting opposite either one of those guys, I mean He's the guy they're going to focus on out of at least you know two quarter two cornerback um, sets when they have wide receivers. But who knows? 
week to week this year what's going it's, to be happening with these these teams i feel like i'm going to be turning my rosters on the idp side quite heavy this year and i, and I already have going from even from week one to week two i dropped a lot of guys and picked up a lot of guys trying to figure out what i was going to do with my with my lineup i'm like oh my goodness it's it's insane yeah, it's only one weekend. Well, one week in a game, I suppose. So far, what is of this yeah, recording? Of this recording, we're week two, getting red, getting ready for for the Sunday action. But um, it, it'll be interesting. And, and one conversation that I've had a lot of guys over on Twitter messaging me about um, that I wanted to have the, kind of talk through it a little bit here and see um, see your perspective. You know, because uh, I kind of know the way I'm leaning and the way I've I've talked about it to these guys. Um, but it'd be nice to get some other opinions. And it's some of these big-name players that, that broke out in week one. Um, so we had guys like Jerome Baker get 31-ish, you know, 30, 31-ish fantasy points, or, you know, um, uh, Jair Alexander, Marcus May. I mean, these guys all just had monster week ones. Um, I, you know, and I know that you tend to subscribe to the theory of, you got to see it for more than just a week to believe it. Uh, but some of these guys, I mean, Marcus May is in a situation where I could see him consistently getting consistent fantasy points because he's kind of all they've got back there. Um, Baker, yeah. similar. You know, I don't like the linebackers in Miami. And then Jair Alexander, you know, I, I was surprised because I expected them to target Kevin King more than Alexander, but Alexander, you know, got the, got the set, was it the safety, you know, the sack safety and he got an interception and all that. So what's your take on some of these, these big fantasy point weeks and, and what that looks like going further on? I think if you're chasing those big plays and expecting that week to week, you're setting yourself up for disappointment. I mean, when you look at Alexander, he had an interception, a pass defense, a safety, a sack, a tackle for a loss. He's probably not going to get all or even half of those every week. He might have another pass defense here and there, but we know interceptions, unless you're having a phenomenal year, you're not going to touch double-digit interceptions. So, you know, expecting those even half of the weeks is probably not the thing to be looking for. That's why I try to tend to look at tackles and snap counts and opportunity that guys are getting. Um, you know, someone like Baker, where he really seems to be, at the moment, the guy, and they're already running into injuries there, too. I could see, you know, into the through the Roto Heat scoring that we've talked about, he was at 23. So if you think about that, 12 of those came from solo tackles. Right. Will he hit double digits? Probably not, but he probably has a high tackle floor, too, in that situation where, you know, Roberts already out. Uh, Van Noy, I don't know. I don't think he did a whole lot when I was looking at it. He had five yeah, tackles. He, he was so. so I think it's really situation dependent. And, you know, it's the same thing with these cornerbacks. It's who's across from them and then what sort of game plan are they going for? Um, you've seen all sorts of cornerbacks, and not even just big names be up there at the top of the list. I mean, Brian Poole had a really big game. Um, we talked about uh, beforehand, Emmanuel Mosley, um, Lassan Austin, I think I'm pronouncing his name right, for the Jets. He also had another really big game. So you're seeing a lot of these cornerbacks get tackles, and I'm thinking part of that is just the lack of 
sort of defenses and teams in general having these things set up ahead of time through training camp and more contact practices that you're going to see stuff get to that secondary more where they're going to have those opportunities to be a last line of defense and chase people down at least early on. And that's why I'm trying to sort of look at tackles and not just those big plays. You're going to have some guys that just have that great year, but chasing that to me is fool's gold. Well, and I think, you know, you mentioned a guy like Emmanuel Mosley. I think that could be one that actually is successful because his wasn't like big plays, no sacks, interceptions, any of that. It was all tackles. I mean, he just was a tackle machine. Uh, And with the injury to Sherman, I think he could be a guy – you could start for the next few weeks at least, and 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 especially in a corner. Obviously, when you when you have to start a corner, but even in just when you need somebody in the secondary, and maybe you don't have good matchups for your safeties, he's a guy that you know if he keeps doing you know six, seven, eight plus tackles a game. I mean, he could be relevant for you for for a little while here. Yeah, and I mean, there's guys. Uh, Casey Hayward had another. Another guy that had a really big week just based on tackles, and we've seen actually that from him before. So it's not like it's a a one-off anomaly or something. You know, he's a guy that's had a big season with a lot of tackles. That's not necessarily just being a you know big play guy. So him having twelve in week one again, you're probably not going to get double-digit tackles out of a cornerback week in and week out, but if he's getting you six or seven of those in the pass defense or two, especially if you're in a cornerback premium league, like we play in one of those at least I know, um, those guys can be great. And the positionless IDP league that we're in where you can just start whatever on defense, if you find a cornerback that's getting you consistent tackles with that boosted scoring, those guys can be extremely valuable for you. Absolutely. Okay. Well, I thought that was I thought that was a good conversation that some of the folks have been asking me about. That I thought we could talk about and see kind of put it down. Yeah, I think you got to look at the guy's situation and how he's getting those points. Because if you're having a guy like Marcus May, I think he's a good start, especially if he's your DB two for the year. Like you said, he has a situation where he's going to be able to be productive. But having two tackles for a loss, two sacks, and a forced fumble that's probably a lot more than you're going to get out of him on the average week. You know, tackles, I think he's going to get you plenty of those. But him hitting 20 points a week, I mean, if you get three of those a season, you're you're lucky. Right. So Yeah, I would agree. <clears throat> okay, so the meat of the episode is, is kind of going through week three schedule. Talking through the games, you know, some guys that we're really excited about or guys that we think could have big games, you know, and, and, and just briefly doing it. Now, this obviously goes along with, uh, our start sit article um, for those of you that will listen or watch at a later date, you know, um, not only from the, the offensive side, but from the IDP side, the Roto heat team answers your start sit questions and, and is here to help you with your, with your lineups and things like that. So we don't want to take over that in this episode, but we do want to add some guys that we are interested in or guys that we think have big weeks just to kind of help you out. Uh, but also, you know, Throw us those questions over on Facebook or on, on the YouTube video when we post about start sits, and we'll make sure you get that answered in a little bit more detail. Uh, but week three starts off Thursday night. We got Dolphins, Jaguars. Uh, I, I don't know what to make of these two teams because there's guys on both that I like, um, but it just with as efficient as Minshew's been playing, you know, guys that I would like from the Dolphins, I'm not sure I like as much thinking that. 
Um, they might not get the same type of action, but what are, are there any guys in this matchup that you're that you think could have a, a great week or could be successful? You know, I think Josh Allen's about the only one from either team where I'm pretty confident I know what to expect from him, and that's a startable week or at least some uh, some you know de two type numbers. But what's your thoughts on that? I'm interested to see what those defensive ends end up doing for the Dolphins. You know, they have the guys that are sort of haven't had that great of careers with Adva and Lawson who had been on other teams and underperformed, and they kind of went to the Dolphins because the Dolphins needed to get guys. Week one, they didn't do a whole lot, and we'll, you know, by now when this comes out, we'll know about week two. But um, most of the pressure was from uh, these fantasy-relevant pressures from Christian Wilkins, who had a really good game for him in week one. And the guy's talented. I mean, he was a high draft pick, so, you know, Maybe he's the guy that ends up in there. So kind of how that plays out. And then, you know, does Baker consistently get those number of tackles where you'd be comfortable starting them each week? But other than that, the secondary has a lot of really talented guys. But, again, for fantasy production, that doesn't necessarily equate to points for Absolutely. you. So that's the the Dolphins and the Jaguars. It's more just how they progress. As a, as a young team and what happens. I mean, Miles Jack had a really great week one, and uh, is, is he going to be able to continue that? How does that secondary continue to shake out right. you know, with um, Ronnie Harrison leaving there sort of trying to figure out things as it went? Yeah, Josh Jones looked and, good week one. And he did. He played a lot, too, which was nice to see that maybe he's going to be that consistent safety that you can count on. I mean, I think he got you – nine points or something like that with six solos and six assists or something like that, which is a nice floor if you can have a guy like that um, as your number two or number three, preferably defensive back. So it's just a lot of, I, and it's probably going to be the theme of this, these things that are just up in the air where you don't know who the guy is, you want more than a week or two weeks just to sort of figure it out. I mean, we kind of saw that on, um, yesterday night, Thursday night with the Browns, um, Taki Taki got pulled out of the game um, for the Browns linebackers, and he had reduced playing time compared to the week before just because he wasn't playing well. And it's kind of looking like B.J. Goodson, who you know wasn't talked about a whole lot, but you know, he's sort of the guy in the middle right now for him. So is that going to last? Is it going to be Malcolm Smith? What happens when Mac Wilson gets back? It's a situation where you just don't have a lot of clarity and you kind of need that to be able to trust someone from a fantasy perspective. Absolutely. And I think that sums up a lot of the defenses for these two teams in Miami and Jacksonville. Oh, yeah. Well, and quite a few of the defenses we'll talk about, period. I mean, there's so many question marks right now, not only with injuries, but just, you know, with young players and, and the places they're at. I yeah. mean, it's, you know, some of these defenses, it's the opposite. Like, um, you know, in the 1 o'clock slate, the first, the first game, Washington and Cleveland, you know, like John Bostic, I've been picking him up, but I'm like, I'm, you know, he's on the opposite end of it. I don't know how long he's really going to be a sustainable IDP linebacker, but as long as Washington keeps putting him in the middle, he's got value. It's, it's such a weird, weird predicament because he's on the opposite end of the spectrum. He's an older linebacker that all of a sudden's kind of become making himself relevant just because of the fact that they have a good defensive line and he's getting the brunt of the tackles and whatnot because everything's kind of funneled towards him. So, <clears throat> Yeah, he didn't even have a whole lot in terms of tackles. He was just the best of a block right. group 
in week one. I think he had like five three and a sack or a tackle for a loss. Um, I think he played a hundred percent of the snaps yep. week one. And Kevin Pierre Lewis was right up there with like ninety eight or ninety nine. Thomas Davis comes back supposedly in week two. So if he does, how does that factor into there? It sounds like Cole Holcomb is not someone that we're going to have seen in week two. So if he's healthy and comes back week three or four, I think he's the best long-term asset there for linebacker probably. But if it turns out the coaching staff doesn't like him, they're new this year. They're not just going to suddenly disappear. It would stand Snyder's possible, right. but I don't think so. So what do you do with him? It, you know, was he injured? Yeah, they say he had a knee issue, but he played through special teams, and then week two he doesn't play. So, again, it's a mess, but is there a guy you can pick up for a few weeks and throw in there? You probably can with Bostic, but like you said, how long does it last? We have no idea at this point. Oh, yeah. I mean, absolutely. We have no clue. Um, so, yeah, so the 1 o'clock games, we got Washington-Cleveland. We've got the Raiders-Patriots, 49ers-Giants. Texans, Steelers, Rams, Bills, Titans, Vikings, Bengals, Eagles, and Bears, Falcons. So obviously, we know who you know on a lot of these teams. We can we can kind of determine. We already know who the must starts are, the big names, the guys that are really IDP relevant. But you know, in that one o'clock slate, are there guys that that you have sneaky hope on? You know, obviously, we're still a week and a game in. But guys that maybe we've seen that we think could be uh, sneaky sleepers for the week, or guys that could have a big game. Is there anybody that, that kind of comes to your mind? If you're in um, again leagues where you have to start a cornerback, I'd look at the Vikings cornerbacks. It's going to be interesting to see who um, the Titans have at wide receiver for Week Three because it sounds like you know Brown is out for Week Two. Davis is questionable, so it's sort of that weakness at wide receiver potentially against some cornerbacks who just looked god-awful against the Packers in week one. And if those are something that it's going to be exploited, um, that's a matchup you could take advantage of. Rams-Bills, I'm curious to see, are those linebackers that are out for week two going to be back? And if not, you know, how do their replacements look for week three against the Rams team that had success running the ball. Um, Edwards and Milano are both out week two, so you're going to see some unproven guys that you're going to get an opportunity here against Miami in week two. How are they going to perform? So, you know, that stuff is going to carry over into this week three slate. Um, and really, I'm sort of interested to see what that Raiders game with uh, Jonathan Abram, who had a really good week one, What's he going to do against a team that probably isn't throwing the ball a whole lot? Because the Patriots, at least week one, you know, we'll see what happens this week against Seattle. But it looks like when they're able to pick their poison is how they're going to play. They want to be running the ball because they did that a ton between Cam and the running backs. So, you know, is Abram going to be able to get you those fantasy points when he's facing a team that's running? Not just when it's a shootout with Carolina like it was in week one. Absolutely. Do you have any guys you're looking at in that early slate? Yeah, yeah I mean, I you know, for me, it's I, I want to see the Rams linebackers and safeties. Um, you know, those that's still a position I you know we've talked about Micah Kaiser before. We've talked about some of the young safeties. John Johnson bouncing back from injury. Um, I, I still want to see you know the Bengals linebackers. I know they've they've been kind of all over the place. 
Um, you know, a lot yeah. of it to me is I want to see young guys, how they continue to develop. Um, I, I, I'm really intrigued to see how Emmanuel Mosley keeps going because I've grabbed a few shares of him at the cornerback position. You know, this this will be potentially his third starting game going against the Giants here. Um, I think he, if he can continue to be a tackle machine or, or at least get you a fair amount of tackles, he can be relevant, you know, so I... It's kind of it's kind of young guy development and guys that I did not expect to be relevant. You know how are they progressing? Yeah. Um, uh, just looking Falcon. One other one I I wrote down here um, for the Bengals. It looks like Sean Williams is out week yep. two, and for the well he was out yep. week two because they just played. Yep. Sorry, but um, the safety split is something we talked about before the season started. And between Bell and Bates, yep. the lowest that either of them have played in a week yet is 93% of the snaps. So how does that get affected, assuming Williams comes back, because it sounded like he was close to playing this week? What's that going to look like as far as how those guys split? Because like we said, if there's two of them on the field, you're probably going to be all right starting both of them. Once the third one comes back, what sort of a monkey wrench does that throw into there? And then kind of like what we talked about with Cleveland and some of these other teams, What's that split at the Bengals linebackers look like? Um, Bynes and Pratt haven't had consistently the same numbers so right. far. So who, if either of them for that matter, ends up being more so the guy there? Um, they both had decent games um, both weeks, I think. But um, it's not a situation where you really want to be putting them out there week to week and trusting both of them right now, I don't think. I would agree. Probably not. Uh, but it, but it'll be interesting to see how it continues to to develop because there could be there could be something there. Uh, let's see. Okay, so the four o'clock slate has Panthers, Chargers, Jets, Colts, Bucks, Broncos, Lions, Cardinals, Cowboys, Seahawks. Um. Yeah, that one, I mean, it, it, it's kind of feast or famine in these games. Like, you know, the Chargers have some studs. The Panthers have some young developing guys. Colts have some studs, but they also are still trying to figure out what they're doing. Like, that defense did not look great week one. The Jets have, you know, two potential startable guys. The Broncos are a little more famine. The Bucks have some potential. Cardinals and Lions, that's kind of a... I'm curious to see who they throw in there for the uh, other linebacker with Jalen Smith for the Dallas game and how well he performs. Because, you know, you've kind of had three guys there the past few years with Lee, Van Der Esch, and Smith, and you got two of them out. Um, You know, kind of looking at what they got there, they have... Luke Gifford, who honestly is a Cowboys fan, I couldn't tell you who he is. Joe Thomas, who's been there for a couple of years, I think that's you know he's played all right when he's had to, but he's nothing amazing. Um, the defensive line has played well for Dallas, but the linebackers it was just Jalen Smith and a bunch of not that great. You have the potential to have that secondary even get in more trouble with it being overall pretty young and inexperienced. You know they've guys that have been there three, four years at most, really, in that secondary. Um, behind the defensive line, it isn't looking very nice and what was supposed to be a strength for the team. But when you're banking on two guys that are injured quite a bit with, like, Lee and Van Der Esch, you know, that 
you know what you're getting yourself into and what you have the chance of. Yeah, I mean, and that's and that's the unfortunate thing. This team really, you know, it's it's just like, um, you know, from the offensive side, teams like the Lions, where you have consistent injury injured guys and you don't have any depth, or you know, at the receiver position or running back position. I mean, it's the Cowboys should have thought about this well before. Van Der Esch has not been the pinnacle nope. of health. You know, Jalen Smith, even coming into the league, obviously Jalen Smith was coming off of a nasty injury. I mean, they just haven't had a lot of depth. So you're going to be thrusting a guy in a position that probably doesn't need to be there. But, you know, it's kind of the way it works. And, uh, unfortunately, that happens from time to time. Uh, I'll be interested, you know, I'll be interested to see. I think the biggest game from from this slate is is probably, I mean, obviously the Cowboys-Seahawks is going to be the game of the week, I'm sure. But I'm really interested to see the, the Panthers, Chargers, kind of how some of these young guys develop, uh, especially from the Panthers, I mean, at all three levels. I mean, you've got, you know, uh, Derek Brown. He had a pretty impressive week one for the most part. Um, you turn Gross Matos and um, uh, is it Chin? No, who's their safety? Chin is the safety on the Panthers. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, Duggar's on the Pats. I was like. Can't be Duggar. Yeah, Chin. You know, so seeing how some of their young guys continue to, to develop and then from, you know, from the Charger side, you know, keep seeing that linebacking group. You know, I thought Nuosu looked pretty solid, young guy as well, as well as rookie. Um, so, you know, I'm interested to see kind of how that turns itself around or how it goes. Yeah, and, you know, you had a couple safeties here and then uh, a cornerback. For week one, anyway, because that's at this point the guys that we have the numbers for, there were only five rookies taken in the first three rounds that had played 100% of the defensive snaps for their teams in week one. Two of them, Chin and Winfield, are safeties in these late games. And then Diggs is another one at quarterback. And then the other two are cornerbacks, too, A.J. Terrell and Jalen Johnson. Um, So... I'm putting something together on that, and we talked about that. I don't need to go into it a whole lot because we don't have a whole lot of data yet, but how it progresses throughout the year with these rookies and how much playing time do they actually get. Even some of these guys that, you know, had impressive week ones like Patrick Queen, Chase Young, you know, they were on there for eighty per- less than 80% of the snaps. You know, Derek Brown was under 70. Chase on was under 70. Um, and I think that's – probably twofold they are rookies and then two just those abbreviated camps i mean you're even seeing some guys that we thought would play be inactive um one guy that i know had been talked up a bit by the patriots um from michigan josh yuchi he just didn't play he was inactive and that was a big surprise to a lot of people so at what point does that turn around and how much does it turn around this year as they're learning on the fly for a lot of them will be interesting to see just in general absolutely uh, you know, and, and and for, I mean, I won't talk much about the Lions Cardinals game, uh, but, you know, uh, Jeff Okuda should be in week two for Detroit. It looks like he'll be playing against Green Bay, which is probably a terrible idea because Devontae Adams is just going to spank him the entire game. But it'll be interesting to see how he handles. You know, I could anticipate him being uh, an IDP target to start the first few weeks because he'll get targeted yeah. like crazy. Uh, and he's a pretty sure tackler. Like, he, he should... You know, I could see him getting an Emmanuel Mosley type game where he's getting eight tackles and some assists and things like that because 
Detroit, they're notorious for having no depth at cornerback. And after week one, they really are, it's showing. I mean, they're, you know, they don't have anybody. They're, they're signing street guys already uh, because they just don't have any depth. Uh, and everybody's hurt, so that could be a big, big one to watch. And you know, from the Cardinals side, there's you know some young guys as well there. I'm, that that defense looked pretty solid against San Francisco, but you know, San Francisco is still. I don't. I'm not really sold on Garoppolo, and you know, so the Cardinals look pretty well, but I don't know if it was more him or them. Uh, so mention see how that goes against a competent quarterback. Uh, yeah, and Simmons played 29%. I mean, he wasn't on the field much at all, so how much more is he going to get out there? I mean, they really don't need him if you think about it with what else they have at linebacker, so they have that luxury of bringing him along slowly if they either feel that he needs it or just want to to get him slower exposure. So, you know, a lot of those big-name guys, you know, even uh, Kinlaw, yep. San Francisco, you know, he played under 50%, and, yeah, he doesn't have to do a whole lot, even – um, Kerry Hyder, oh, yeah. who, he was on the yep. Lions, wasn't he, yep. for a while? You know, he, he played a good amount for the 49ers and did all right. So it sort of is that balancing act of how much do you need these guys to play versus how much should you be getting them out there in the given situation. Um, we'll see. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that how some of that's handled, uh, especially as the year goes on. I expect those numbers to increase, but we'll see. Uh, the 8 o'clock game will be fun. It's Packers-Saints. And then Monday night yeah. will be fun as well. It's Chiefs-Ravens. So those will be those will be some IDP-heavy games. There will be lots of IDP guys that should be able to go in all those games. Um, yeah, that could, be, that could be a big one. Now, Saints could still be down to Michael Thomas. So that, that could be that could be interesting for, 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 for the Packers defense. Hmm. That'll be tough to predict. I mean, it'll be interesting to see how, because I know uh, rookie Chris Barnes, kid out of UCLA, got in on the action in week one and produced, I think, double-digit fantasy points. So it'll be interesting to see how they rotate those linebackers, because I know he didn't get a ton of snaps, but he produced. Yeah, he barely played, but he actually, yeah, it's one of those weird sort of situations, and I don't think he was even on the depth chart on their official site, if I remember that right. Yeah, he played 31% special teams and 29% defense. So he was highly productive. And, you know, yeah, and it really it's it's Kirksey for your true sort of middle linebacker type and not much else because you have the Smiths oh, yeah, on either side. And another, uh, another uh, Michigan guy, Rashawn Gary, rotating in there to actually get some playing time. But... It, I mean, are they going to have uh, Kenny Clark back? Because, you know, he's out for week yep. two, and that's going to affect their linebackers. Um, when you're not having that guy, you can trust sitting there in the yep. middle. Um, so one side might be without Thomas, the other without Clark. And then, I don't know. I mean, that Packers offense is going to have to protect them. The Saints actually did all right in terms of uh, – Pressuring the quarterback, yep. and Packers already have offensive line injuries on an offensive line that wasn't looking great to start the year. Um, Rodgers had a great game, but we've all seen it before when he gets pressured a lot. I wouldn't say he's injury prone, but he gets hurt more than you want your main quarterback getting hurt. Yeah, and under duress, if he can't get into a rhythm, it, it really starts to affect things. Um, from the Chiefs and Ravens side, I mean, that, I don't see there being a lot of big – plays like interceptions things like that 
but I could see a lot of tackles, obviously, on, on both sides of things. So linebackers, safeties could all be relevant here. Um, you know, for, for the Ravens side, I think it's probably mostly a young fella. Uh, was it Queen? Um, I think he could be yeah. relevant. And, you know, your safeties. Um, I don't necessarily feel super comfortable about about taking any of the defensive linemen as starters in this game just because the Chiefs are so good at getting the ball out quickly and, and moving around, and that could hurt that defensive line uh, unless it gets into a running battle, unless there's a lot of running going on. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, from the the defensive side for the Ravens, um, Elliot, who yep. you had talked about and wrote about, he is at 99% of snaps week one. Both their cornerbacks were above 95%. And then guy that I've liked for a while, Chuck Clark, um, you know, he was at 100%. And he's not even the most dangerous Clark in Maryland, but he's uh, certainly a guy that you want to have on your fantasy team from a floor perspective. Because, again, I'm sort of that guy that's looking for that floor. He's going to get you their tackles. And there's your one, Paul. There's your one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I, I definitely think, um, you know, like I said, I think uh, linebacker safeties, those, those are kind of the positions to pick in this game on both sides. I mean, Chris Jones could have some 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 fair amount of relevancy in this game, but I just don't see there being a, a ton of sacks, ton of interceptions. I mean, I think there'll be a lot of tackles because these teams are really good at moving the ball uh, and not making big, big mistakes. Um, and there may, there may be, you know, obviously we'd, can't predict when interceptions and sacks happen, but uh, I would lean more towards playing linebackers and safeties in this game over defensive linemen. And even with the Chiefs, it's who are you starting at linebacker? I mean, week one, your your highest snap count was 61%. I mean, they're just rotating them in out and playing just their D-line and a whole bunch of defensive backs. So I'm not starting any of them, to safeties be honest. Are I, yeah. But you're, you're talking about linebackers, no thank you. Yeah. Someone else can start them if they have to. I'll, even if I need someone, I'm going to go look elsewhere than just, you know, hoping Hitchens gets 50% or more that, you know, and you're going to be starting Ben Neiman or Damian Wilson, another guy from the Cowboys. Hitchens is about the only relevant one if you need it desperately. Yeah, and if he's under 50% of the snaps, I mean – what are you going to get out of him? He's got to get you a big play. You're not going to have any tackle upside in that few snaps. Yeah, so. It'll be it'll be a low scoring, low point game if he doesn't get more than fifty percent of the snaps. <clears throat> so okay, well, there you have it. Week three, some guys that we mentioned, good, bad, and otherwise, um, and we're done. Yeah. We got that's it. We're out. What do you got, Craig? Anything else? No. I mean, if you got questions, let us know. Um, like Brad said at the top of the show, we're getting articles out. We have no problem answering questions. Discord, Facebook, Twitter, or however else you can find us. Um, I don't know what that would be. Don't come looking for us. There's a pandemic, people. Um, YouTube, we got all sorts of shows. If you need anything, like, subscribe, hit the notification bell, all that good stuff what he said thank you guys as always for hanging out with us uh we will be back again next week talking about week four and all things that we learned in week two and 
the one game of week three that we catch. And we thank you guys as always. You guys are the best. And we'll talk to you again next week. See ya. Thanks for listening to the IDB Heat Seekers podcast with Brad Menendez, Craig Reith, and Paul Belden. You can find us over on Twitter at Roto Heat Fantasy or at RotoHeat.com.